Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Okugo, back again with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be talking with individuals from around the soccer world, learning about their stories and getting their unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we're joined by three legends, Quincy Ameriqua and Justin Morrow from Black Player for Change uh, and Nicole Hack from Independent Supporters Council. Uh, we'll be learning all about their organizations and discussing their recent collaboration. Um, with that being said, first and foremost, I'd like to thank you guys for taking time to join us on the Two Cents FC podcast and show. It's a pleasure to have you guys. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. No, so uh, it, it, it took a while for us to all get coordinated, but I'm glad we did. Uh, first question we asked everyone, um, when did you guys fall in love with soccer? And we'll start with you, Nicole. Oh, um, I first fell in love with soccer when I was seven years old. Um, okay. my, my parents uh, forced me to play in like a little AYSO league. And then, and then it was, yeah, life since then. Perfect. Uh, how about you, Quincy? I know you're from California, so it's a little bit different. And you're Nigerian. <laughs> so I fell in love with soccer when I was three. Uh, I got introduced to it through my dad because he's Nigerian. And, you know, it's almost uh, a requirement at that point. But uh, yeah. I fell in love because it was a great opportunity for me to connect with him and um, spend a lot of quality time with him and all the conversations we'd have traveling to games and, you know, between sessions and stuff is really cool. So um, that's when I fell in love with it. Respect. And how about you, Justin? Oh, I love it. It didn't even take us two minutes in to get to the Nigerian shout. I knew that was, I knew <laughs> that was, that was automatic. He knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yes, Quincy and Bobby, you guys are Nigerian. Good job. Good job. <laughs> um, I fell in love with the sport when I was five years old. My parents kind of like Nicole put me in to get me out of the house. I was tearing up the house. Um, <laughs> but from the moment I had the ball at my feet, I, I loved it. You know, just love the freedom, um, love the way it made me feel. So I played some other sports when I was growing up, but I always stuck with it because I felt the best at it. I respect. So, Justin, you know, being African-American, um, what was it like playing soccer where you grew up? Were, were there other African-Americans like playing soccer or it was kind of you by yourself? Yeah, there weren't many, to be honest. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Um we always lived on like the city border because my dad was a, a policeman for the city of Cleveland. So we had to like stay within city limits, but we'd always live like really close. Um, and so I would play a little bit in the inner city, but also be on like the travel teams going to, mm -hmm. to different cities to play. And usually it was like me and one other, two other black kids. And usually that, that had to do with the team, like sponsoring the kids, you know, so that they could yeah. come out because it's an expensive sport to play when you're young with the travel, the jerseys and the fees to play and whatnot. Um, so I was always in, in the minority. Um, and I talked about it recently on our, on our blackout collection drop that Darlington and I grew up like kind of in the, in the same circles. I played with his older brother and because he was so good, he would, he would play it up yeah. with us. And so I just think it's like when we when we made it, you know, obviously we're at different levels now, but guys, guys balling winning championships. But um, hey, you win the championships too. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah, I, got, I got one. I got one. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I just think that that's so cool, you know, because it really feels like you, you had to defy the odds to get yeah. to where we're at. And I think that's true for a lot of us. That's that's amazing. Nicole, I got a question for you because, you know, we've had previous guests on the show as it pertains to, you know, women in sports. They say, you know, when it comes to youth sports, women dominate youth soccer. But around the ages of, you know, 15, 16 and on, they tend to have uh, other avenues that they pursue. What was your experience like? And if you can answer, what would be your solution to keeping, you know, young women in the sport during those those pivotal years? Oh, that's a good question. Um, first, one of the issues I had when I was born in 1980. So when I first started playing, there weren't women's only or girls only leagues, right? So I was mm-hmm. playing with only young boys until I was around 10 or 11. So that was like an issue in itself when I was that age. And then for me, I didn't face uh, soccer was like my livelihood. I I couldn't get away from it in terms of playing or watching or supporting, right? I was in high school in the nineties. So the U S women's national team was like in my face. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I haven't actually experienced too much with like women or girls getting away from the game. But I think if, if, if part of it is burnout, right, then Mm -hmm. I think it's okay to take a break. And I think it's, it's okay to explore other options. Um, if there's other distractions, then, then I don't, I, I don't know what I, what, what guidance, what guidance I have for that. No, I appreciate that. And then Quincy, I know you grew up in, you know, Bakersfield and when it comes to youth talent being seen, you know, you have a unique story about, you know, growing up and, you know, having the opportunity to go to UC Davis, it kind of happened on the fly. Uh, what can we do better from the standpoint of like sourcing talent that's, maybe in the obscure locations. I know you got a whole dissertation about this. I do. I do, but I got to keep it condensed because, you know, I've I've already, my professional sports career has told me uh, that I'm too long winded. And (laughs) (laughs) I guess they don't really like the the Nigerian, you know, storytelling. But there's a lot of wisdom and knowledge to be gained from it. Yeah. even even in that regard, I think the issue in my the U.S. soccer system is they have this idea of what a soccer player looks like and has to do or has to say or has to play to be uh, effective or valuable. And that might be true for their specific system, their specific way of play. Mm-hmm. There's other ways of play, and there's other ways to to beat that system, to outplay that system, to outmaneuver it. And I think, I think the U.S. didn't really understand how much they weren't including valuable members of the system until they didn't make the uh, the World Cup, right? And they've seen all the yeah. issues with the Olympics, right? So, like, that's a manifestation of problems that were implemented and decisions that were made long ago, right? So. Yeah. So I think we have the experience now to understand that we don't understand everything. Um, but I also don't know if the culture's changed enough to a point where those who were making those decisions will hold themselves accountable for the decisions they made and, and use those as lessons learned so that we can identify that talent 
earlier on and and um, learn from them from the beginning as opposed to you know all the issues and stuff only reacting when there's a problem i think that's the issue right so yeah, yeah. and i think that's a great segue into you know kind of the bulk of what we want to talk about today uh justin quincy you guys are two of the co-founders around black players for change can you talk about you know the start of that what happened you know you know at the mission how how it all came about with everything that's been going on the last year two years yeah i, I can kick it off um i'll start with you know just the formation of it we were all sitting at home like everyone else during the pandemic when George Floyd was murdered. And I think right away, guys started talking to each other more than they ever had been before, you know, like in, in social media messages and uh, iMessage, WhatsApp, all these different platforms. And I think everyone was really just had the same idea of, you know, what can we do? I think that was the question, like, what can we do as professional athletes? Because we all felt um, that this conversation is a, a part of us. It's all part of our upbringing and, and who we are and felt like we wanted to optimize our messaging and make sure that whatever was coming from the player side was really authentic and really genuine. And so over the course of, of not very long, maybe a week or so, uh, we got ourselves organized into a Zoom room and just had just incredible energy when talking to each other. Um, happy emotions, sad emotions, heavy stuff, um, a lot of storytelling. And the conversation was like, okay, are we gonna are we gonna do this? And I think very quickly we we understood that we were all in for it, um, ready to put in put in the work. And so we came out with this organization that we have today, which is Black Players for Change. It's a full-fledged nonprofit organization. And the, the mission now is the same as, as when it started, which is to, to end systemic racism inside of soccer and in our communities in which we live and which we play. Uh, our platform's very big. We, we do a lot of different things under a lot of different pillars, if you will. But knowing that we are professional soccer players, we wanted to start there and say, okay, what can we do in our own sport to make some change? And then we can grow out of there because we know if we can affect change in our little, little bubble, then maybe we can use our platform to do it in other places too. No, uh, and mad respect to what you guys have done. I remember when you guys first like announced everything and I was just like really impressed because not only from an organization standpoint, but the, the, the fact that you guys had to deal with, you know, not knowing if the season was going to continue and all these other, all the factors that you had to, while you guys were doing it. So it's really commendable. And like, we've all been part of group chats. How was it, how were you guys able to stay organized? How were you guys able to have like a clear direction in terms of, all right, we want to have this, we want to make this change. We want to make sure that we're all coming in this from the same angle, staying together. When you guys did the MLS Backus tournament, you know, that show, that show of unison and unity, uh, you, like you can't, you still get chills like seeing that and remembering what you guys are able to do and accomplish. Go ahead, Quincy. You want to take that one? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Um, and I guess the answer is a lot of hard work, a lot of future planning and a lot of commitment to a larger vision and goal. Mm -hmm. 
you're talking about soccer is the world sport, right? So yeah. everyone has their own opinion as to how the game should be played, how it should look, what runs you should make, where to be on the field, what the best tactic or strategy is, who's the best player, who isn't. And then you have the different ages of individuals participation, participating, the different language barriers, the different experiences, um, individuals in positions where they don't feel comfortable to share their honest opinion, individuals who are feel overly confident to share their own <laughs> right? Uh, you've literally got everything. And um, that means your approach has to be inclusive of everyone and everything, especially those whom you don't agree with or believe are right. And I think the ability for the guys to buy into the idea of it being for something greater than ourselves was what allowed us the time to build the infrastructure to accommodate everybody. Right. So early on, just like with anything, it's trial and error. And you'll you'll always receive a lot of negative feedback when wrong. That's just professional sports in general, right? Yeah. The expectation is perfection, even though everyone knows perfection isn't possible, ideally, right? So so it's like how do you marry those two ideas, um, that conundrum? And I think that's what we were able to accomplish and why I believe the platform we've created together is so influential and so, so uh, powerful uh, because it allows space for any and every member who wants to participate now or in the future. And um, yeah, uh, that, that's what I think allowed for that to happen. And, you know, I'm very grateful for the experiences uh, that I've had personally throughout this process Though I'm sure, as you guys know, as like professional athletes, not all the experiences are great ones, right? It's like, yeah, I'm not looking forward to preseason, even though I know I got to do it every year, right? Um, that's true. But you know what comes out the other side of it. So that's what you look to to get through it. Um, so, yeah. No, mad respect. And, I, and you guys have obviously, you know, made some great impact and will continue to make great impact for the Black Players for Change and the communities and organizations organizations you serve. I personally hope you guys can translate it to the players associations for some things too, but we could talk about that offline. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go get Quincy Stop. going. Yeah. Hey, take that online. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> we we I want to get to the hours Nicole. we got. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, you you're with the Independent Supportive Council. Can you talk about the mission for the ISC and like a little bit more about it? Sure, yeah. Um, ISC is an organization. We have over 100 supporters groups um, who are members in North America. So we represent MLS, NWSL, USL, CPL. I'm probably missing NPSL. <laughs> um, You're working with everybody. You guys work with everybody. Yeah, we're working with everyone. And uh, we started in 2009. Um, I've been more actively involved the last couple of years personally, um, but we advocate for supporters um, in their leagues as well as a platform for groups to work together and share best practices. Mm -hmm. um, we're rooted in independent support and building an inclusive soccer community um, in stadiums and within our communities. And um, I think if I'm going to tie in um, this conversation here is right. We're here to support the players. That's our main objective as supporters. Um, and so especially with this last year, we wanted to know how we could support 
black players better in stadium and in our communities. And that's kind of how this connection between BPC and ISC started. No, that's amazing. And, you know, you mentioned you, you, you guys work with a number of different leagues, but you specifically with uh, BCP, you know, I'm sure Justin and Quincy, your guys' phones and computer emails was blowing up with, we want to get involved, we want to do this, or even maybe some hate mail. But with an organization like ISC, how did that collaboration, like, come to terms? And, like, can you talk about, um, obviously, you guys got to fill each other out and, like, logistics. What What is that like for people that may want to know? I'll start really quick. And I know Quincy probably helped me out on this question before. <laughs> um, but I um, was fortunate enough to become friends with Jaleel Anibaba when okay. he pl- played in Chicago. So for I see you I, Chicago. Okay. I see you Oh, Red Star. Oh, wait, yep. wrong side. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, Jaleel and his brother, I became good friends with them. So that was like an easy way to just shoot somebody a message and be like, hey, this is what we do. We want to, we want to work together. Um, and it sort of started from there. We had, um, our annual, we have an annual conference every year this year. It was virtual. Um, and we had members of, um, PPC, USL BPA and, uh, BWPC, um, come on there and talk about their experiences as black players in the communities and how supporters could better support them. And then, and then from there, um, we connected with these two guys. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And Nicole, how many how many questions does Quincy ask you um, before you guys finally make something happen? Qu- Quincy keeps us in line. <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, that's great. Can, can you talk about some of the best practices that you've you, that you've seen or can recommend for you know anyone, whether it's inside the stadium, outside the stadium, um, that work within the community? whether it's supporting, you know, Black Players for Change, LGBTQ, uh, any organization that may feel neglected or um, under, under, underutilized, if that's, sure. if that's the right word. I think now more than ever, I think, I think supporters in general, we practice like um, supporting social justice issues. That's like a big thing that supporters groups do. Um, so like now more than ever, it's our responsibility to support the LGBT community, whether that is, you know, with flags in the stadium um, or by calling out any racist or homophobic chanting or if somebody's saying something to another supporter or to a player that we have to be the ones to kind of step in there um, and ensure that's not happening in our stadiums. No, that's amazing. Uh, can each of you talk about, or if one of you guys wants to take the lead, can you talk about some of the initiatives that you guys are looking to move forward with as, you know, as we close out these, these years go by quick 2021 and, you know, move into 2022. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a scary thought moving to a new year already. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Nicole set it up very well. Let me talk about this, this natural connection that we had. Moby, you said it, you know, there was a lot of organizations that have reached out to us wanting to do something. ISC was one of the first, but they, they just wanted to pledge their support and like, let us mm-hmm. know like, Hey, we're, we're here for you. Um, we'd like to donate at some point in time, just, you know, touch and base. Um, and then as we started to feel each other out, we had different connections like Nicole was talking about. 
And then we came to the point where Juneteenth was coming up of this year and it was our one year anniversary. So we were looking to make a big statement and we thought what, what more beautiful statement to make than with the fans and the players together, because we just hadn't seen that yet, at least between Quincy and I and some of the other guys in BPC, we hadn't seen that in our careers, like the the fans and the players really doing something together. Um, so Nicole and, and her team were fantastic to work with. We worked really hard over, I think, like a six or seven week period meeting, you know, trying to figure out all the logistics of what it is exactly one to do. Was it only something in stadium? Was it in stadium and online? We ended up doing both. We have a, a T-shirt out. Um, but the day of Juneteenth was just phenomenal. It surpassed all of our expectations. Um, we had TIFOs in, in so many of the different stadiums that day. And on top of this, you know, kind of commitment to each other, it was also a beautiful display of the message and the continued conversation because we were very wary of that happening and that going away after a year's time being like, mm-hmm. okay, we want to reinforce that. We're not going away. We're here. BPC is here to stay. And look, the fans care about this message just as much as we do. So Juneteenth was was a wonderful show of support for each other. We can't thank ISC enough. And we've got this wonderful T-shirt that's out now. Yeah, we're definitely going to have that in the show notes, I believe. So for people to support, if that's possible. Um, but I love how you said, you know, it's, it's, it's not just a, a moment. It's a movement, you know, from the ISC side and the BC, BCP side. Um, say we look out, you know, another year from now or two years from now. What would be like, there's no like end goal or no KPI to the impact that you guys are having, but what's one thing that you guys would say that um, each of you can answer that you, you'd be most, most proud of, whether it's like, okay, we have like five black head coaches or we have uh, a, a futsal court in every inner city where MLS stadiums located um, fan support. Like what, what does that look like for you guys? If you guys can answer. Go ahead, Quincy, you start. That's a, that's, a, that's a good one. I would say buy-in at the ownership level mm-hmm. the long term, with long-term commitments. Um, yeah, long-term buy-in at the ownership level because um, they're the ones who are cutting the checks. They're the ones who are making the investments, and they tend to only do that if they believe um, it'll affect their KPIs positively, right? So I think even when we were just talking about earlier, how, how are we, how can we better identify talent or keep people involved um, in the soccer system all the way to the end? You, you touched on, you know, when women are falling off at the ages of 14, 15, and 16, um, you know, uh, scouting more of that talent out of that that uh, hotbed of, of Bakersfield, California. I five, I five hotbed. <laughs> People keep passing by; they don't they don't realize what they're missing out on, right? <laughs> right, but that's that's because at, at some point in time you've got to make a decision, right? You 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 when you're in a leadership role, you'd like to be inclusive of everyone always, but you also have to make a decision and stick to stick to your plan and see it through, right? Mm-hmm. I think 
you know, I think with where we're at right now, um, the systems and processes and how the league in, U- in soccer in America was approached years ago as it was necessary then, those systems and processes are obsolete now, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we are working together to create those KPIs. And those KPIs aren't to be mandated on us from those who don't have our experience. Um, I think with this platform and what we've been able to create, we're able to to decide what those KPIs are for ourselves, right? We see the yeah. impact. We see, we understand the importance of it. Uh, Justin has pointed out many a times, right? Like we're looking at doing things we haven't seen before in our experience because we believe that had we seen those earlier on in our process, um, you know, we understand how much farther we could be yeah. um, and how much higher we could potentially go. And I, I think it's maximizing everyone's potential is really the goal. And the only way you can do that is every, if, if, if everybody has an equitable stake in the process. Um, and that can be scary, you know, for people to wrap their heads around or want to be on board with, but every, it can be a win-win. And yeah. I think, that's why, you know, our, our hashtag of together there will be change and how we're approaching it, how we're having these conversations, how we're interacting, uh, the great work that we've been able to accomplish with ISC, um, you know, in, in the U.S., North America, um, in a condensed amount of time um, is amazing. And I think it's really going to set, set the tone for, for the next 10, 20, 30 years. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. And um, I, I appreciate the opportunities that, have been presented to us. No, that's what it's all about. No, Nicole, Justin, do you guys have anything regarding that question? Yeah, I, I think whether it's two years or five years or 10 years down the line, we're all about inspiring the next generation and hoping that the work that we're doing now will lead to pathways for them to make them feel more included in the game because no matter who you speak to throughout BPC, I think everyone had their own difficulties getting to where they are today. And a lot Mm -hmm. of those difficulties circled and centered around our skin color. Mm -hmm. And we want to break that down for the next generation. There will be indicators of that. Like you're saying, the amount of head black coaches that we have in the league or assisting coaches. But I think it also starts at the grassroots level too. And the amount of black coaches that we have there you know, this pay to pay structure that we have in North America, how can we, you know, either break that cycle or fit in to circumvent the processes that are happening now, even so much as you guys were talking about the scouting system. And so these are all things that um, we're working for, you know, so that just like our name says, there is some change for this next generation. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and to back off of what Justin and Quincy said, supporters culture, the supporters community is similar, right? A few years ago, there weren't many women leaders in the supporters culture. And now, you know, when we go to our annual meeting, it's almost half of us that are women there, which is amazing. But now we have to take the next step and make sure that the Black community and minority communities are better represented um, in, in that avenue. And there's a lot of new black culture supporters group popping up in, in DC and Madison and Chicago and Albuquerque. So um, I think that 
that's the change that's starting to happen. And I think as a white woman, I'm, I'm doing my best to unlearn and relearn too. And, um, I think that a lot of us are, are just trying to listen and be supportive and, um, promote that inclusivity. No, that's what it's all about. Uh, quick question before I let Elle take over. Um, Justin, Quincy. So say someone says, how, how do you think it is when it comes to like racist chants? Do you think points should be deducted? Do you think automatic, you know, players should be allowed to walk off? Like what's your guys' uh, stance on that? I think for sure, 100% that players should walk off the field. I don't think that we should be tolerating any of that, whether it's a racist comment made on the field between players, referee to player, coach to player, fans. We should not be tolerating one second of that. We should be walking off. And yeah, I would I would argue for points deduction as well because um, I think that's what it I think that's what it takes now. I think. Yeah we've been living the same way up until this point and it's not going to change unless we change the things that we are doing about it. Because if we just keep doing the same thing, the same things are going to happen. Yeah. So even in a league like MLS where it's like, I mean, if you make the playoffs cool, if you don't cool, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yes. Yes. All right. Sounds good. Of course he's waiting. What'd you got? (laughs) I have a different opinion, obviously, (laughs) on that, mainly based in my experience, right? So, like, I align with with Justin in terms of players should have the right and ability to walk off the field if, if that is the case, right? I think an issue and problem is similar to what just happened with Chara, right? Like, we all have our experience and understanding of Chara. I do not believe he's someone who would be saying something like that had it not happened, right? Yeah. But because there isn't perfect documentation and clear microphone and an angle of seeing the incident, right, then they fall on the side of it wasn't likely to happen. And for me, I go okay, I understand that decision. It would be really nice if, in my experience, I saw that same level of, you know, innocent until proven guilty actually applied to people who tend to look like me, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel we're at a point where it's starting to be understood. So Cole had made a mention in terms of like, you're unlearning and relearning new things, right? We're all trying to understand that we don't all have the same experience. So what does that mean, right? And how are we inclusive? And how do we make it fair and equitable? And and for me, I think having those options to walk off the field, like Justin mentioned, and point deductions or a strong enough uh, disciplinary action to hopefully incentivize people not to do it, I get that. But I also, for me, I appreciate, and this was some... I appreciate someone who's willing to use racial slurs to my face because they're at least telling me where they stand, right? I'm not having to pretend as though they support me or they believe in people who look like me and then find out later that they were backstabbing us and doing all this other stuff. So 
So I think just having the options is most important. And, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I just, I think what's, what I'm, what I'm liking about what I'm seeing is we're at least having the conversation and we're not shutting each other down just because we might not agree with each other beforehand. Right. So that, that's, what's been dope for me to see, because then we can decide together, like, what do we think is fair? How many points should we deduct? Should we have microphones on the field? Okay. If, if we don't have it clear, it should be innocent till proven guilty. Sometimes we're going to get it wrong and it's not going to be there, but at least now we can, we can get those data points to, to make a decision as to if we made the best decision or not in the future. So, um, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. I'm not I'm not one for condoning violence, but you know, I think one of these days you're going to see like a, a Ron Artest type situation because <laughs> right? because I mean, it's happened to me in the league, uh both MLS and USL where, you know, someone said a racial slur, you bring it up, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we're going to address it." And then they try to wait till everyone forgets. So, it's like, "Well, I, I don't forget. I know we're going to play him next time. So, if I get a yellow card or a red card, you know why." So, uh, <laughs> Uh, sorry, Nicole. <laughs> we're not trying. No, to this is this is this is totally though where supporters come in, right? And like, I know that the, we have so many conversations on our Slack channel about putting pressure on USL with like recent issues or or things like that. So that's uh, just <laughs> sorry exactly. to segue from your funny moment. No, no, you're not segueing at all. I think it's important because like sometimes the supporters will see something, and like supporters do a great job, whether it's you know someone acting crazy in the stands and they'll report it or they'll have it on camera. Whereas sometimes it's on the, on the field. It's like, oh uh, yeah, he said, she said, we don't know. Uh, sorry. So I appreciate your input, Nicole. And I, yeah, I, Justin and Quincy, <laughs> you guys can attest to it as well. So yeah, a hundred percent. All right, cool. So before we jump into no car, yellow car, red card, I want to, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit more about the t-shirt collaboration that you guys all are doing. Um, Tell us more like about how it came 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 to be came to be. <laughs> um, you know who designed it, uh, who are the players involved, you know stuff like that. Want to know know a little bit more about that, and also where we can get it and where we can support. Yeah, Justin, I don't know if you want to start with like uh, Bailey Brown is the president of ISC, and I think he, she and Justin started having conversations. I don't know if you want to start with that. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's how it that's how it came about when we were when we were all coming together we were trying to figure out um are we just going to do tfos in the stands or or what other opportunities are we going to have to push this message of unity between the players and the supporters and so we decided oh we're gonna let's do a t-shirt we we haven't done any official like bpc merchandise up until this point uh we've done a couple of projects one with adidas major league soccer one um you know blackout collection which was kind of our own doing in in collaboration with participation trophy studio so we're like all right those have been those have been going well let's let's do another t-shirt and of course we have to have one of the supporters <laughs> do it <laughs> and and of course we would like the supporter that's going to do it to be a black artist so we went to Nicole and Bailey, who came up with the perfect person to do it, um, came up with some incredible renderings. And we decided, OK, we want to send a really strong message. And on top of that, we want all of the supporters groups to be included. So I don't know if you want to pick it up from there, Nicole. 
Yeah, well, I would just want to give a shout out to uh, Chris Fox, who is co-founder of Featherstone Flamingos in Madison. Um, we all know that Madison um, has done a tons of awesome creative work. So he um, used the inspiration of Cross Colors with Carl Jones um, and created this, this um, really dope shirt with a, another artist friend of his. And so can't thank him enough for his help. It's amazing. No, I definitely have those in the show notes for people to so support. Definitely, definitely check out blackflayersforchange.org slash Juneteenth. Uh, make your donation. Donate as much as you possibly can. Um, it's all going to a good cause and you'll get a dope t-shirt out of it. So make sure you guys tap in with that. Thank you. Thank you. And also I have some ideas as well. So um, here at Two Cents, we have this thing, this new thing that we started called Collect the Homies. So anybody who's come on the show, we consider you a homie. We consider you squad, you know, part of the team. Yes. Um, and if you've been a player, we try to collect at least one piece of memorabilia from each player and get them to sign or personalize it. Um, so shout out to you know, like Darius Barnes here. Got his rookie card signed. <laughs> rookie Mo card. Dude. Mo Dude's been on the show. Our guy <laughs> Moby, obviously. Um, <laughs> And shout out to uh, Jeremy Bobisi, got a jersey from him, Joe Jow, uh, Jaleel, um, signed jersey as well. Um, and I think it would be super dope to get some players, some black players to change, get their rookie cards, get them signed, and, you know, donate those as well. So I think that could be a dope mem memorabilia item that you guys can donate um, for, you know, whatever fee someone chooses to, to enter um, and also add that to the, to the collection. Of course, something, man. I gotta go through my, like to do with you guys. my uh <laughs> tops collection and see see if I can scrounge up there's some rookie cards. <laughs> but if not, for some sure. Santa, some San Jose rookie cards, huh? Yeah. Some earthquakes yes. playing playing in Buckshaw. Uh, we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get you something over there. School days. We appreciate it. Sure, yeah. for sure. Uh, I mean, right, Quince so. is probably gonna do like an NFT. He, he he's doing, <laughs> he's doing high level stuff. You already know I was gonna like, hey. NFTs right now, bro. <laughs> it also made me realize, Justin, that was your rookie season, bro. Yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. You guys go way back. Yeah, we were in camp together my rookie year in 2010. That was that was 2010. So that was my second year. You and uh, Stephen Bedisher. Yep. Oh man. Oh, and Bike. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> that's how I know. That's how I know San Jose will never have nice things. You had a, I had a, I had a core like that and got rid of them. <laughs> you had yeah, Nader Short, you had Morrow, you had Rafa Baca. Oh my goodness! You got one of the all-time leading goal scorers, and only been to the playoffs twice in that span. Like, crazy. But hey, we're not we're not here to talk about that. Hey, their GM spot's open, Moby. Just saying. Hey, hey, you want to crossover? You want to crossover business? I, I, I'm probably not in good standing with anyone at MLS. So that's, that's me. Positions open. <laughs> I might have to write a manifesto like Ali Curtis to hopefully get a get a look. <laughs> so, that's we'll funny. See. I'm gonna be out here making enemies. <laughs> it was unknowingly. It was unknowingly. <laughs> but it's okay. 
back and you start thinking about it, you go, oh, oh, oh that, okay, that company, oh, that person. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Ruffle, ruffle some feathers, huh? All right. Well, we ain't going to get Moby in any more trouble that he's already in. So <laughs> let's jump into one of our favorite segments of the show. Um, no car, yellow car, red car. So this is a rapid fire segment of the show where I'll read off a news headline or a news topic. It can be soccer related. It can be pop culture related. doesn't matter. Um, but we'll rate that topic and give our opinion on that topic using the soccer car system. So no card is, you know, I agree with it. I'm cool with it. Yellow card, I can go either way. And red card is I disagree or, you know, I'm not cool with it. Foul. Um, and then give like a, a short explanation of why you gave it that card. Right. All right so this week... We only have one, but I think it's a it's a meaty one. So the future of football um, tournament is being played somewhere in Europe. Um, and it's featuring the academies of PSV, Alkmaars, RB Leipzig, and Club Bruges. And the interesting, interesting thing about this tournament is the new rules that are being trialed here. So just a note, FIFA has no involvement in these experimental changes. But, you know, these are some new rules that are being trialed, I guess, to kind of... Uh, appeal to Gen Z a little bit more. Um, <laughs> I'm going to read off. It's just like four four major rules. Um, so first one, each half is 30 minutes and the clock counts down instead of goes up. So similar to OG um, MLS. Um, two, there are unlimited subs. Three, there's a five-minute penalty or sin bin. So think about like a hockey penalty um, for any player that draws a yellow card. <laughs> Or there's no throw-ins, so there's only kick-ins and stealth kicks are permitted. So you can like do a slight dribble and then that you know qualifies as a kick. So what card are we giving these experimental rule changes? What age group? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what age group. And it's like academy, like youth. So yeah. like you under U twenty threes, I would think. You're all thinking hard on this. <laughs> I'm just letting you guys go first. I already know my <laughs> Go ahead, Nicole. I hate change, like in that <laughs> sense. So like I was like, wait, wait. You said in that sense. <laughs> yeah, I had to catch myself there. But no, like I'm like a traditionalist in terms of like like rules of games, so I would give it a red card. But but the question of it is if for like the youth, I guess changes it a little bit, but nah, just keep it keep it as <laughs> <Nah>. is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say, so is, is the question saying once it, this has been established, then they want this to become the standard, like at the full, like full on, that's what soccer's turning into? Um, well, FIFA doesn't have any involvement. So I'm guessing it's the organizers of this tournament have come up with these rule changes and I guess they're trialing it out. Um, I'm not sure where they're looking to go with it, but um they they're calling it the future of football, essentially. I'd say I'd say no card. I'm all for that. If you have unlimited subs, I can play till I'm 55 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that's like tournament. That's tournament rules. I did an indoor tournament over here, and it's unlimited subs. I was like, all right, go ahead, bring me off here. Let's attack. <laughs> I'm, all I'm all for that. Oh my goodness. Okay, Justin, what do you think? I'm I'm yellow card and it all hinges on the question I asked you because I think that when we're teaching our game at the youth level, it doesn't need to exactly mirror 
the adult or professional level. I think that there are some some things that you can do to tweak the game at that age so that it becomes faster and more exciting, like not having throw-ins and having to chase a ball, like just putting a ball down quickly and playing and like keeping the game going. I think that's going to keep like eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds like more excited about the game. I don't know about the, the penalty thing for getting a yellow card and having to sit out, uh, but the substitutions I can, I, as long as like Quincy said, we're not trying to implement this at the pro level. If it's for the youth, I'm cool with it. Okay, what do you think of Moby? Yeah, well, Justin made a great point. Uh, that's the business mind of his talking. I'd say yellow card. If you keep it at the youth level, like till you 13, uh, to incorporate that, you know, more touches on the ball, more involvement with other players and more players to stay involved. All right, cool. But this shouldn't be nowhere near the professional level. Uh, nah. <laughs> Sorry, Quincy. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one getting subbed. It's all right, bro. We're talking about the future, bro. We're talking about the future. We'll be selling NFTs in the penalty box. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. All right, so that's it for this edition. Thank you all for your your feedback on that, um, Moby. Yeah. So first and foremost, I'd like to thank each and every one of you for getting on. You know, you guys are busy. I know you, some of you guys got games. You guys got things that you got to do. Um, where, if we want to support, if people want to support, if people want to tap in with you guys, where can they, you know, follow up? So Nicole, we'll start with you. And then um, in terms of ISC, we're at ISC supporters on um, social media and official ISC.com um, is our website. And uh, my, my Twitter is at Nick Hack, which is N-I-K-H-A-K. Perfect. Real quick, any team that you support? I know you work with a lot of teams, a lot of players. Mm-hmm. Is there yeah. any specific team that you support? Oh yeah, I <laughs> I support the Chicago Fire and the Chicago Red Stars. Oh, and, well, and now and now Chicago House. <laughs> okay, respect. Sorry about the fire, but uh, the other yeah, time. that's a conversation <laughs> for that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> Perfect. All right, uh, Justin, how about you? Yeah, thank you, everybody. Thanks for having us. Um, you can check out Black Players for Change at blackplayersforchange.org. You can follow us on social medias at BPC MLS. Okay, no personal, huh? You just, just wow, it's, it's, all all business. Business. it's all business. All business, baby. Sorry, it's a, all that's a change. True Promo. leader, right there. <laughs> True leader. Like, hey, donate or go away. That's basically. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Quincy, how about you? Oh. Well, we'll say the same thing. Um, you know, blackfishcamp.org, uh, BPC Plus, and then uh, on social at Quincy Marquois for me across all social. Nice. Well, we're going to have all that information in the show notes. Make sure you guys support ISC and BCP, um, both organizations doing amazing things, all about impact. And it's not just for show. They're all about impact, which is what I love about both organizations. Thank you guys, all you guys for taking the time. Um, with that being said, uh, that's our show for this week. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at Two Cents FC. Check out our merch at twocentsports.shop. 
And if you enjoy the show, consider dropping us a donation using the link in the description. It helps support the show. It helps keep us getting wonderful guests. And tweet us your comments on the show. Any topics you want me or El to discuss. That's it. Another episode. I think we're coming in close to 100. Or no, I'm, I'm jumping again. We still got like yeah, a lot. About 56. So uh, more than half. <laughs> more than half. I like that optimism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got more than half, but yeah. So appreciate y'all supporting. And hopefully uh, we'll see you guys soon in another podcast. And next week, y'all. Peace out. Uh,